I've been upfront about it. I want Donald Trump to come back. I'd love to see him as president again. Um, I thought we'd have to wait until at least the midterms closer to or 2024 before we really saw him out there. No, just turn on the fake news any day, especially on Sundays when they have their big political talk shows. And boy, do they love to talk about Trump. They love to hate him. And they're really frustrated right now because January 6th, all the hype about January 6th did not do what they intended it to do, which would be cancel Donald Trump. They wanted this to stigmatize the former president so bad. And they're actually openly marveling that their plan didn't work. I'm a pretty cynical guy. I've been doing this a long time. On January 7th, 2021, uh, I think I, I, I'm guessing you were there too. I really thought, okay, this is it. This is the breaking point. We, Lindsey Graham, enough is enough. Count me out. That, it all felt like a moment. How did a year later we go to a Republican Party that is more in the grips of Donald Trump? Because we love the guy <laughs> and we trust him. And you guys, the fake news, have been lying to us for decades, all right? And you've gone into overdrive recently. We like Donald Trump, all right? Get that through your heads. We know him. We saw him do what he promised he would, you know, fighting for us. That wasn't some silly bumper sticker. We saw him do it every single day. So they can't stop Trump. They're trying to stop us. And you know how you do that these days, call anybody a racist and you're supposed to be canceled forever. All right. So they're taking racism and white supremacy to the next level. By the way, both are bad, but both are not particularly significant, in my opinion. And actually, especially regarding white supremacy, according to the FBI. Anyway, look at the new legislation they've been pushing. It sounds great. All right. H.R. 350. And what would it do? To authorize dedicated domestic terrorism offices within the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Great, I hate domestic terrorism. But how do they define domestic terrorism? Oh yeah, it's all about white supremacists and neo-Nazis. Neo-Nazis and white supremacists, white supremacists. Nothing in here about BLM, nothing in here about Antifa. It's all about white supremacists, and I'm sure there are a handful of those weirdos in this country. And if they break the law, they should be arrested right away. It's just not, it's just not a thing. All right. So they keep inventing it. They keep lying about it. Even those proud boys, the proud boys is not a white supremacist group. All right. It's not, it is a fake news lie that caught on, by the way, they can't explain, uh, Enrique Tario, the head of the proud boys, who's of Afro Cuban descent, and oh, by the way, he's in jail right now. Why? Because he burned a Black Lives Matter sign. Can you believe that one? All right. So somehow uh, Enrique is a white supremacist. Uh, let's see. Candace Owens is a white supremacist. Larry Elder recently ran for governor in California, a white supremacist. And this one is actually particularly galling because I happen to know him and I happen to think he's a very decent guy. Tucker Carlson is a white supremacist. It is now a joke. Something horrible, something ugly, white supremacy is now a joke because they're accusing everybody they don't agree with of being a white supremacist. According to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy 
is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. I obviously am very concerned about the rise of extremism and extremism related to white supremacy. The FBI has warned repeatedly that domestic terrorism fueled by white supremacy is the number one threat to the United States right now. White supremacy is, is the biggest bucket of concern when it comes to uh, domestic terrorism. Okay, um, that's not true. It's not true. Talk to the law enforcement experts, okay? Uh, Islamic extremists, they still wanna hurt this country. They do, you can deny it. Antifa, BLM, they hurt this country every day for a year and a half. But they say white supremacy, especially Democrats, when they're in a jam. Now here in New York, we have a, uh, a new mayor. He's not up to the job, all right? I am not impressed with this guy. Anyway, he's making all kinds of uh, silly appointments, nepotism galore. He wants to make his brother the deputy commissioner of the police department. That's a big stretch. Listen to his reasoning. You've appointed your brother, a fellow retired police officer, as a deputy commissioner for the NYPD. Is that true? And if so, doesn't that at least violate the spirit of the law in New York, which says public servants, friends, and family members should not benefit uh, from their positions? My brother is qualified uh, for the position. Uh, number one, he will be in charge of my security, uh, which is extremely important to me in a time when we see an increase in white supremacy and hate crimes. I have to take my secur security in a very serious way. <laughs> an increase in white supremacy. So I live in this city, all right? There is an increase in crime, all right? It's not coming from white supremacists, all right? It's just not. It happens to be coming uh, from people of color, quite frankly. It's, uh, it's undeniable. It's there, all right? Not white supremacy. So his brother is gonna be the new deputy police commissioner. He's not qualified, of course. Take a look. Well, maybe he is. Maybe I'm being too harsh. He is after all, just off a big job as the assistant director of parking for Virginia Commonwealth University, the Monroe campus. Handing out parking passes, arranging for the assistant dean to park close to the building. All right, that's, that was his job. But that's what you do, claim white supremacy when you can't explain an appointment or when you're in trouble politically, like Governor Murphy did in a recent debate when it was looking very bleak for him uh, in terms of re-election. What did he do? There's so much on the ballot. Uh, there's so much at stake. Do we stand with our sacred democracy or do we stand with, with uh, Confederate flags and white supremacists and a pack of lies? Do we stand, do we continue, do we continue to make the tough? I wish we could hear that noise whenever the fake news started talking about white supremacy and that Trump supporters are somehow white supremacists because that's how we feel. It's nonsense, it's a disgusting charge. You might even call it a false flag. False flag, have you heard about this? A false flag, a hostile or harmful action that is designed to look like it was perpetrated by someone other than the person or group responsible for it. I think there's something to that and we're also seeing that. Now there are a like two white supremacy groups out there. One is called Patriot Front. 
I'm told they're white supremacists. Who knows? Maybe they've been lied about. Uh, they go out to certain protests and they try to make a spectacle out of themselves. Guess what? Um, mainstream uh, conservatives, MAGA, they don't want anything to do with white supremacy. So at a recent pro-life rally, you'll see these guys showed up in the khaki pants and the flags. Uh, nobody really wanted them there because, again, they were kind of representing themselves as white supremacists or white nationalists. Who knows? Watch how the pro-lifers treated them. So nobody likes uh, white supremacists. Nobody likes white nationalists. It's ridiculous. A lot of the time, I do think it's coming from the left. They're creating this illusion. Here are the guys going home, uh, again, all in the khaki pants. Just very, very strange. The last display we saw of so-called white supremacists turned out to be a Lincoln Project stunt. Those guys who showed up at the uh, Glenn Youngkin rally in Virginia, these guys were um, <laughs> college Democrats. They weren't white supremacists. And we've seen this. Uh, by the way, who are these guys who showed up at that rally for January Sixers? They were, well, <laughs> we all are skeptical about their political motivations, okay? We think they're FBI agents. Finally, uh, overseas, they're enjoying this. They are enjoying this. Uh, Russia, Putin, they're chuckling about our internal squabbles. We're weak at home. That means that Russia is stronger abroad. Putin would like to reinvent the Soviet Union. And it looks like he wants to go into Ukraine. And with our posture, I don't think we're going to be able to stop it. Um, would you listen to Tony Blinken if you were Vladimir Putin? President Biden has been, been clear that uh, we are looking at taking steps that we have not taken in the past and that the consequences for Russia uh, would be severe. Uh, and that's something that uh, President Putin's going to have to factor into his calculus. Again, our strong preference is a diplomatic uh, resolution of this uh, of this challenge. But ultimately, that's uh, that's up to Russia. Hmm. Sounds like a green light to go into Ukraine. I'm sorry. Our strong preference would be that he not do this. Our strong preference. You want to know how you get a country to not do something or do something that you want? You got to be strong. Isn't that right? Mr. President Trump. The United States has great strength and patience, but if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. The United States is ready, willing and able, but hopefully this will not be necessary. Hey, why didn't he just say it's our strong preference that North Korea not do this? Some people call this the madman theory. I actually, there's something to this madman theory. When a country makes their leader look irrational and volatile, so other world leaders would avoid provoking the country, fearing an unpredictable response. And we've had some pretty successful madmen leaders, not literally, but a little bit. Ronald Reagan. They were afraid of this guy, thought he was a wild cowboy. They were afraid of Nixon, Richard M. Nixon, for a while. They were definitely most not afraid of Jimmy Carter. They were not afraid. They didn't even respect Barack Obama. You know, when you do this madman stuff, by the way, it can be great 
for the world. We would not have had this moment between Trump and Kim Jong-un had Donald Trump not talked tough at the United Nations. Respect, respect, and right now they don't respect us. It looks like Russia is going to invade. Uh, we're not putting up much of a tough position, are we? And uh, I think the mainstream media are, is gonna be probably surprised. They've been covering for Joe Biden. Hey, Richard Engel is a reporter for NBC News. He's actually pretty good. He, he went over to Ukraine and actually reported from the trenches. They dug literal trenches like they used to use in World War I. They're really ready for war. They're not fooling around here. Um, I just wish that uh, they took it a little bit more seriously. This guy's reporting, so he's over there. You know, it's a war zone potentially, and it's a horrible day. And anyway, listen to how they uh, reacted to his, uh, his report. Russia wants more. Russia wants guarantees that Ukraine will never become a member of NATO. NATO says that that, that is an unreasonable demand, that it is NATO which decides who gets to be a member and who doesn't. Craig. Our chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engelforce, there in Ukraine. Richard, thank you. All right. It is uh, 720. Mr. Roker's back with a check of the rest of the forecast. Hey, Al. <laughs> let's just, all right, weather, hey, yeah, let's just do our fun morning show. Anyway, nice job uh, for that one guy in the fake news. He's, uh, he's pretty good. All right, when we come back, Djokovic, the tennis player, will not get vaccinated. Um, maybe we should, instead of condemning him and judging him, he's the number one tennis player in the world. I think he knows a lot about health and fitness. Why doesn't he want to take the vaccine? That's the kind of information I want to know. Maybe he's on to something. We'll be right back. Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's All I can, I can say, say is that, is that the, the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? How about all last year during COVID when President Trump was president? Ooh, all the time, the death count, all the time, all the people who are dying from COVID. The fake news reported it one way. It was Trump's fault. And this coronavirus was uh, just killing so many people. Just coronavirus. Finally, Finally, some straight talk from the CDC. The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. Pretty wild, right? This is kind of the kind of information they buried, they shrouded, they wanted you to think that that was not the thing that ordinary healthy people were dropping dead left and right from. COVID. It's not true, but the swamp tried to trip Donald Trump up. And uh, 
let's face it, to some degree, they got away with it. Not that he did anything wrong, but they faked a lot of people. All right. Also this, the Golden Globes used to be a lot of fun. Uh, I don't really care too much about Hollywood awards ceremonies. There are probably too many of them anyway. But anyway, the foreign press would get together and they'd usually have dinner and there'd be jokes. Then everything went crazy. Me Too and a couple of other things. They started canceling comedians for being too funny, literally. And, uh, oh, not enough people of color on the selection committee. All right. And there was a bunch of headlines about that. And, oh, no, we don't have enough diversity. So in the end, what actually happened? They essentially canceled their own show. They canceled their own event. They canceled the Golden Globes. Uh, This is what they did instead of you saw those gowns and you saw the fanciness and the dinners and the this was the golden globes last night so for a very long time i didn't realize that the hollywood foreign press association was in fact a 501c3 charitable organization when i was finished with my bodybuilding career and i came to hollywood and started my movie career i often heard arnold you should change your last name. No one can pronounce it. I mean, what is it? Uh, Schwarzen Schnitzel or something like that? <laughs> huh. He used to be so cool. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, that was it. A boring Zoom call. Boring, lame stories. Uh, and a couple of years ago, it was a party. This is what happens when America goes woke. It stinks. It's no fun. And I'm not signing up for that. I'm also not signing up for politically correct talk. And I'm going to give credit to somebody in the establishment, in the swamp. Her name is uh, Sarah Fagan. She's on the lower right. So the guy on the lower left there, his name is uh, Cornell Belcher. He's a pollster and uh, very much of the moment. It's very fashionable to say this about voting. If, to use his phrase, you look like him. It is not that easy to vote in America. If you are, happen to look like me and you're in Georgia, you're standing in line for, for six or seven hours to, to, to vote. It's not easy to vote in America if you happen to look like me. If you don't look like, you know, and, and he's black, and quite frankly, it makes people uncomfortable when they hear something like that. It's like, oh, oh I better be quiet because you know, I, I, I can't walk in his shoes and he must be. I'm not going to say anything. I just want to get out of here without being called a racist. This is Sarah Fagan. Taylor, I believe her name is. She was a George W. Bush official, but uh, she was having none of it. The facts are, though, that it is more open in the South than it is, is even in the North, Northeast for now. And the reality is uh, early vote, absentee vote, these have been growing for the last decade. Every year, more and more people vote by these means. And so I, I just don't think that's accurate. All right. Good for her. That's it. That's that's hard to do for folks in the swamp. One more thing on this dumb show, because I can't stand it, but it does shape a hell of a lot of opinion in the culture. They had uh, baby Adam Kinzinger on as a guest, and this is how they introduced him. Joining me now is Congressman Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. He's one of the few Republicans who has publicly criticized former President Trump, is also one of two Republicans on the House Committee investigating January 6th. Congressman Kinzinger, welcome back to Meet the Press. All right. Now, if he's the only Republican who thinks that way, and you got all these Democrats who think that way, why not get a Republican who represents a Republican point of view or maybe even a MAGA point of view? No, they go for the one guy who agrees with them on all the issues. And by the way, 
the introduction, the fake news always does this. When they have a dull show, they got to soup it up with these phony shots that come in from like, it's dizzy, dizzying. I don't like it. Do you? If you want, we'll do it. But I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's necessary. All right. Nitwit mayor from Chicago. Her name is Lightfoot. She is so bad in so many ways. But on one issue, she wants to get the kids back into the classroom. That's good. Guess who's opposing her? The teachers union. To be clear, uh, what the Chicago teachers union did was an illegal walkout. They abandoned their posts and they abandoned kids and their families. They did, and they are. Teachers, so many of them basically are terrible. There are some great ones. I had a couple, count them on one hand. But so many of them today seem to just not want to work. They're milking this COVID thing. And uh, it's got to stop because it's horrible for our children. Everybody knows that. And then making them to wear masks. Kids are not dying from COVID, all right? They're just not. And making them wear masks, you, you can't learn. You can't actually grow as a human being. If you can't look at somebody's mouth, if you can't see a smile, if you can't see a frown, that's part of learning and growing and emotional intelligence. Not this nonsense. Wear a mask to school. I wear a mask to school. Hi ho the Dario. I wear a mask to school. It helps to keep me safe. It helps to keep me safe. Hi ho the Dario. It helps to keep me safe. It keeps my friends safe. It keeps my friends safe. Hi, ho, the Dario. It keeps my friends safe. Oh, I wish, I wish I were a school superintendent. I'd come in. I'd, I'd get rid of all those masks so fast. This is ridiculous. <laughs> that song should never, ever be sung ever again. I am sorry, children. Somehow, somehow, sanity will prevail. And in the meantime, America, let's stop turning each other in. Everybody's ratting on each other for things that are perfectly legal and fine. Let's go, Brandon. It's a perfectly fine thing to say. And if you want to put the button or sticker on your bag, have at it. They tried to get this guy fired. He's an airline pilot for having that little thingamajig. Let's go, Brandon, on his bag. When we come back. If you've had it with the old news and the same spent, well, then Spicer and Company's your place for the inside story and for the facts that you need to know. Hey, New York City, we told you about this, right? Eight million people live here. Biggest city in the country. And only about 3% of them voted for our new mayor. Uh, Eric Adams got 3.16% of the vote. And given our screwy system here, uh, Democrats dominate everything. It was about 240,000 people or so voted for this guy. And now he's the mayor. And uh, because he only got that many votes, I guess he wants more votes next time. And he'll take them from anywhere he can get them, including people who are not citizens of America. There is a new bill that will allow non-citizens to vote in this city. 800,000 of them, green card holders. You don't have to be a U.S. citizen, but you can vote for 
local officials. Who knows? This is probably going to go federal someday if we don't do something about it. Yeah. Eric Adams thinks it's great. Can't totally understand his reasoning. I mean, I know what he's thinking, but what he's saying, I don't know. Doesn't the bill just make a mockery of the idea of American citizenship, though? I mean, this is just for local elections, but does that mean, like, next uh, New York City is going to want non-citizens to vote in federal elections? I mean, and what do you say to all the people who went through the process, the difficult process of becoming an American citizen, studying for the test, swearing an oath of allegiance to the United States of America, who, who now see this legislation just saying, well, anyone who's here, you can go ahead and vote. Uh, well, I, I tell to I say to them, keep doing it. Uh, you know, membership has its privileges. Uh, being a member of what we call United States of America is a great privilege. And I, I would tell them, keep doing it, be encouraged. Uh, this is a great opportunity to be, to be a member of this great country. Uh, don't let anything daunt you or take you away from that mission. Uh, this legislation is not going to do that. Keep becoming a citizen of this country. Yeah, I don't really know what he's talking about. But anyway, the new mayor of New York. So uh, January 6th, they're still working on it. They still want to get to the bottom of it. You know, Half of it are these Trump-hating cops, the four of them that they are exploiting, and they are willingly going along with it. We have to find out exactly what happened because Officer Hodges needs to know exactly how and why he got a great big fat lip. Yes, he got a fat lip, and there he is showing everybody. This is the, uh, the wound. This is, uh, right? That's it, a fat lip. We must have numerous federal investigations to establish how, why, and who exactly gave him that fat lip. All right, now this. As you can hear the chants from the crowd, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I love it. I say it all the time. It's funny. We all, it's great. It's great. Doesn't make us insurrectionists. That's what people on the left say as they're busy turning each other in, turning us in for saying, let's go, Brandon. Take a look at this. An American Airlines pilot minding his own business uh, on his phone. Well, some passenger snaps this picture of his luggage. Okay, yeah, look at that. It says some sort of, you know, it says, let's go, Brandon, on it. So what? All right. Well, she makes a federal case out of it. She tweets the airline, American Airlines, and, hey, American, y'all cool with your pilots displaying this kind of cowardly rhetoric on their, it's not cowardly, it's funny, on their crew luggage when they're in uniform, about to fly a plane? We are not the only passengers who notice, and we're disgusted. Today in, um, I think that's Port St. Lucie, Florida, about to board to Miami, in St. Lucia, rather. Well, American Airlines being the woke company they are. Oh, of course, the random passenger. Thank you for bringing this to our attention, and we want to get to this to the right team. Please DM any additional details. She does, and then they promise, oh, we're going to, uh, we're going to take care of this. And then she lectures the airline. She wants more. It's disappointing that your team cannot provide a public position on speech that supports the insurrection slash violence against the United States government. Okay, let's go, Brandon, is code for Joe Biden. All right, that's it. That's it. You can say that and you're not an insurrectionist, okay? It's legal. This is still America, ma'am. All right. 
I had something else to say about that. <laughs> oh, this person who uh, waged the complaint is lecturing American Airlines. Okay, uh, I don't want her to get in any trouble. She's just a person. But then again, she tried to get this airline guy in trouble. Let's see. She is a sorority and fraternity professional. What the hell is that? I saw Animal House. I don't think we want anything to do with a sorority or fraternity professional. And uh, it looks like she's a big fan of reality TV. And she's trying to hassle an airline pilot. Give the guy a break. I think we should all give each other a break. And oh, by the way, American Airlines, you know what they did? They handed out Black Lives Matter pins to their employees. Now, take a look. Stand for change. We believe Black Lives Matter. And that is the American Airlines logo. Logo. That's a that's the fin of the plane, and that's, anyway, that was okay. And uh, Let's Go Brandon is the most horrible thing anybody heard. Have to talk for a moment about Denzel Washington. He's one of my favorites. He's a great actor, and he seems like a great guy. Uh, he's in a couple of new movies. One is The Tragedy of Macbeth. I'm not a big Shakespeare person. I should get around to seeing this, but... He was interviewed recently, and he noticed something about selfies. Can we talk about selfies for a moment? Uh, everybody taking pictures of themselves. Uh, so many people wanting to be like the Kardashians. Somehow, I know this is not good. I just know this is bad for us, all right? I've taken pictures of myself. Everybody's done it. But some people are going way overboard. Our whole society is now just so wrapped up in themselves. Denzel Washington pointed this out in an interview with Maureen Dowd at the New York Times. He put it this way. Uh, the enemy is the inner me, he said. The Bible says in the last days, I don't know if it's the last days. It's not my place to know. He's talking about if right now is the last days. But it says we'll be lovers of ourselves. The number one photograph today is a selfie. Oh, me at the protest. Me with the fire. Follow me. Listen to me. It goes on. We're living in a time where people are willing to do anything to get followed. What is the long or short-term effect of too much information? It's going fast, and it can be manipulated, obviously, in a myriad of ways, and people are led to, like sheep to slaughter. Hey, by the way, I'm not manipulating anything. I'm very upfront. This is an opinion show, and uh, I tell you, I am pro-Trump. I like his style, and I like his politics, and I try to be very, very conspicuous about that. All right, Denzel Washington, very, very interesting. Uh, maybe I will see that Shakespeare movie. I really liked him in The, uh, the Equalizer. When we come back, Byron Donalds, superstar member of Congress from South Florida. Be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. Hey, Congressman Byron Donalds joins us once again. Republican from Florida, Southwest Florida, the 19th district down there. Uh, Congressman Donalds, welcome back to uh, Newsmax. How are you? 
Oh, it's good to be back with you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, listen, I thought after January 6th, the one-year anniversary, there would be some moving on. Uh, Congress, uh, the media would just focus on other issues. Yeah, all day yesterday, especially on those Sunday talk shows, January 6th, how do we stop Trump? Uh, you're in the middle of it all. Are they ever going to let this one go? I, I want answers, but they don't, they're not looking for the same answers I'm looking for. Is January 6th just always in your face down there? Actually, here on, on Capitol Hill, they talk about it not really to us. They've been, they're really talking to media about it, and they're talking to other Democrats about it. But they don't really talk about it too much here. Every now and again, it'll come up on the floor or in the committee. But look, the reality is this. They have to talk about this because they have nothing else. Their entire agenda is a disaster. They have failed the American people at every turn. I mean, pick a policy. Pick a sector of our country. Pick a sector of our, our economy. Where have they been successful? Oh, guess what? They haven't been. I mean, listen, the Detroit Lions got a better record than these guys, okay? It's been awful. And so this is what they have to go to. Unfortunately, we're going to have to just listen to their nonsense, listen to the rhetoric, and the American people are going to do the right thing. They're going to send Nancy Pelosi and Democrats packing. We'll take back the House. We'll take back the Senate, and then we'll move on from there. Congressman, I just started following you on social media, and I noticed that, you know, you use it responsibly. You're not addicted to it. You put out a couple of things a day, you know, catch me here. You make some political observations. You don't live your life on social media, unlike <laughs> a lot of Democrats and uh, even a few Republicans, and that's fine. My question is, does their attachment to this, to seeing their name on Twitter and to getting the likes, getting the follow, all that stuff, is that screwing up legislative affairs down there? From the outside looking in, it seems like it might. Uh, it does, um, because what happens is, is that you have members who are more concerned about what popped up, you know, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, you know, or Getter or something like that. Oh, well, I mean, look, the Democrats aren't on Getter. That's just a <laughs> they, don't, they don't even like it, okay? But they're more busy, more, more concerned about what somebody said on social media than actual policy, actual agenda here actual agendas here, excuse me. And I think the thing that's much more important is that they would rather push narratives through social media than actually take the time and legislate through regular order. But what the Democrats do on Capitol Hill is they just have Nancy Pelosi push bills out from her office. They don't go through committees. It just winds up on the floor and members of Congress have to vote up or down on it. If the Democrats really wanna do their jobs appropriately and effectively, what they'll do is run these bills through the committee process, actually have debate, have questions. Let's really figure out if the policy makes sense or not, but they don't want to do that. It's much easier to throw out narratives and innuendo and talking points in social media. That would be great if they read. I heard once that uh, these bills actually aren't read in much detail. Some of them are so long you can't read them. I'd like to bring H.R. 350 to your attention, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. You know, uh, some of this sounds fine uh, to authorize dedicated domestic terrorism offices within the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice and the FBI. Domestic terrorism. Nobody likes domestic terrorism. I would think an office could help. But it's all about <laughs> white supremacists and neo-Nazis, finding them, getting them. Uh, studying them. If you really want to take on domestic terrorism, though, it might be coming from Antifa. It might be coming from elements of BLM. It's not just white supremacy. 
That's what disappoints me about this legislation. Are they talking about this? And what do you think? I think it's just this bill is politically motivated. It makes no sense. First of all, the Department of Justice and the FBI have a lot of authority with respect to investigating domestic issues. They do it all the time. They can't violate the, the constitutional rights of American citizens. But as long as they can find a probable cause and they have a judge sign off on whatever they want to do from a warrant standpoint, from, from a wiretapping standpoint, they actually have a lot of ability to investigate. Uh, this bill doesn't need to happen at all. And the last thing we should ever do, and again, understand, domestic terrorism should never be tolerated. But the last thing we should never do is allow citizens to have their rights stripped from them and treat them like they like we would treat enemy combatants overseas or terrorists overseas. It's just not the same thing, not even in the same ballpark. But this bill is politically motivated because it gives the Democrats something to talk about. A reminder, by the way, we talked about Nancy Pelosi a moment ago. I forget. She is a very, very rich woman. Look at this headline, mm. please. This is... Uh, Newsmax citing the New York Post, something like, I believe, $30 million she made from trades in big tech companies recently. Uh, these are companies she oversees in Congress, $30 million. Um, that would seem like it could be a conflict of interest. What do you think? Oh, no, big, big time conflict of interest. I totally agree with you. Look, there's a reason why she snapped at reporters and reporters asked her if members of Congress should be trading stocks. The reality is members of Congress should not be trading stocks, period, whatsoever. We have access to far more information than the public does, way before the public does. And I'm not just saying that as a guy who's elected to Congress. I'm saying it as somebody who was a securities trader, who still has his licenses, 7 and 66. I'll lose them later this year. And I will tell you the level of information I have access to, I should not be trading my own position. But here's what Nancy Pelosi does. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if she's actually pushing the button on these trades, but I'm quite sure her husband is. And this is the problem. You cannot have members of Congress and their families placing trades like this. If you want to have somebody else doing the trading on your behalf, somebody that you're not communicating with, that's all fine and well. I'm not saying members shouldn't hold positions at all, but members should not be actively trading. Their spouses should not be actively trading. Congressman Byron Donalds, you can read about him, by the way, in this month's Newsmax magazine. Uh, pretty nice uh, profile on you, sir, and some other uh, superstars. Uh, Byron Donalds, we appreciate it once again. Republican of uh, Southwest Florida in Congress. Thank you, sir. No, thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me on. You bet. We'll be right back. The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75 percent, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. Now they tell us, look, we knew that uh, if you looked at the data, but the CDC and so much of the government, they weren't publicizing that. The media certainly weren't. But that's an interesting piece of information. How does Peter Navarro feel about this? He's the former trade advisor in the Trump administration. He is the author of In Trump Time, a journal of America's plague years. He was an all round expert on covid and election matters, by the way. Peter Navarro, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Good. Great to be with you. Uh, it's, it's not a question of how I feel about it. It's how I think about it. I, look. In August of this year, with a, in the Washington Times, in an article with Robert Malone, we said very clearly that the only people 
who should be getting a high-risk quasi-vaccine are people with comorbidities and senior citizens at high risk of death. The reason why we said that, Greg, is because everybody else is at very minimal risk, number one. And number two, and more importantly, you run the risk, and this is Virology 101, is that when you universally vax everyone, viruses, these clever little beasts that want to kill you, learn how to mutate in a way that they're vaccine resistant. So in the kind of black swan worst case scenario under the Biden-Fauci doctrine, you get everybody vaccinated. The next thing you got, you know, you got a mutation that's just attacking everybody who's got the vaccine. Omicron would be maybe such an example. So we're, we're at a precipice here and a fork in the road all at the same time. We can either go down the road towards herd immunity with a policy that focuses simply on using this, this gene therapy technology to vaccinate only those who absolutely need it, leave our kids alone, leave everybody alone who's already had the virus, who has antibodies, leave healthy people alone. At the same time, burying the lead here, Greg, flood the zone with therapeutics. This is the big fight I had with Tony Wuhan Institute Fauci. Remember, this in China, where this thing came from, Fauci funded this lab. He begat that virus. I fought Fauci tooth and nail, particularly on hydroxychloroquine. There are other therapeutics like ivermectin that, that, that will basically help you keep death off the table, moderate your symptoms, and get this country to herd immunity. We should be, look, we're killing millions of people worldwide by neglecting these therapeutics. Then the CDC woman, uh, duh, three quarters of people dying have, have four or more comorbidities. Four or more. Think about that. So why are we vaccinating our kids? Great question. Um, look, we never have enough time with you. But you mentioned hydroxychloroquine. My sense of Tony Fauci, he only liked ideas that came from him or came from his staff or came from he needed like lead time. He had to be involved in it. He did not like ideas from outsiders. Is my sense at all accurate? A lot of what drives Fauci is his, his, his allegiance and fealty to Big Pharma, which keeps him in his position. Remember, we're all vaccine-centric now. You got Pfizer and Moderna making billions. And by the way, if I had a dime for every million dollars that Pfizer spent basically on, on advertising, on cable news, sports, and everything else in between, I'd be a rich guy here because that's how they control the media. They control Fauci through, through things like patents and royalties and things like that. And, and people, Greg, to be clear, Americans are dying because of Tony Fauci, because of Joe Biden, because of this policy, yeah. which doesn't allow therapeutics on the friggin' market. We'll flood the zone. That's what we should be doing. Hey, I believe it. I believe what you say. And also in the 80s, there were big problems with Tony Fauci and how he handled the AIDS crisis. Definitely. Peter Navarro, the book is A Journal of America's Plague Years from All Seasons Press. You can get it uh, on Amazon and s small bookstores, I hope. You getting any yeah. pushback on, you know, getting this book yeah, out there? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. Uh, I urge people to go get in Trump time on Amazon. Uh, they really suppressed it. I, uh, I'm sorry that happened. It shouldn't be happening, but we are going to. 
I'm going to buy this book myself. I'm afraid I haven't bought it yet. I have a copy for free, but I'm going to buy it too. Peter, thank you very much. I'll be right back. All right, my brother. Take care of yourself. You bet. Hey, thanks a lot for watching. To be continued, Stinchfield is next.